Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. The word of the Lord today is relationship essentials. Relationship essentials. We're talking about building our lives on the word of God. So if we're going to do that, there's lots of principles the word teaches us on ways to build our lives on the word of God. We're going to talk about in these few weeks, just just a, a few prominent ones, a few key ones. One of them is our relationships, building our relationships on the word of God. We can build our lives on anything, right? And we see people doing it all the time. Some of us have done it. We can build our lives on hobbies or sports, right? We can build our lives on Work, money, fame, power, status. We can build our lives on entertainment. We can build our lives on so many different things. There's, there's just thousands of things out there that and people build their lives on all these things. But there's only one thing that we can build our lives on that will ensure that we'll stand through this life, and that's the Word of God. It's only when we build our lives on a firm foundation that we will be able to withstand. Foundations are so important, right? Because if you've ever seen a skyscraper, a tall building, we have some in downtown Orlando. They're beautiful. If you've ever been down there, you've seen those. They're, they're huge, you know. If you've ever gone to the top of a really tall building, sometimes it can feel a little freaky because you can feel the wind, right? The whole building swaying. You're like, is this thing going to stand? But it's the foundation that enables the building to stand, right? The foundation is laid and it enables the super tall building to withstand hurricanes and wind and storms and all these things that come at it. Right, but what's, what's so funny is you never see anybody walk up and say, hey, that's a great-looking foundation. Right. No, nobody does that. Nobody says, hey, I'm so thankful they, they built this building with the best quality foundations and the highest skilled workers. No, nobody does that, but everybody's taking pictures of the results of what the foundation does, the tall buildings and all these things. But the foundation is so important. In fact, I remember growing up, there's uh, a buildings there. They're called the City of Faith Towers. There's three skyscrapers there, and it's one 60-story, one is 40 stories, and one is about 20 stories. And they were built when I was a little kid, and I remember our pastor talking about it and he was telling us he's like there's you can see the construction going on they've got it barricaded off and you can see all the earth movers and things there's obviously things happening but you don't see like they're not building the building what are they doing and just month after month after month after month nothing is happening seemingly right nothing is happening but what are they doing they're laying the foundation and then all of a sudden one day bam where did that building come from and it just goes up in like no time at all right We've seen it happen in construction all the time. What's happening is that foundation is being laid. There's pipes and cabling and everything that's being run. And the foundation has to go deep down into the ground. So as tall as that building has to go up, it has to go that deep down and sometimes more down into earth. So all these things are happening where the foundation is being laid so that what we see on top that can go up so quickly can withstand the storms of life. The foundation is so important. And the materials that we use are so important because if you just use not-so-good materials, it's not going to last. The foundation is going to fall. Jesus talked about foundations. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 24. Maybe you've got the, the free version Bible app. You can get those on any of the app stores that are out there. I encourage you to do that. Jesus said, he's telling a parable to the people. He said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice. So it's not enough just to hear a nice message. We've got to begin to put it into place 
in our lives. We've got to begin to make decisions about what God is speaking to us, about what's in the Word. We've got to begin to put it into practice in our lives. So, in other words, it's not enough to know about forgiveness. We've got to begin to forgive, put it into practice. It's not enough to hear about something. Jesus said the one who hears the words and then puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. So we know if we want to be wise people, this is the process, right? Hear the word of God, put it into practice in our lives. It's so important. Why? Because the rain came. Streams rose, floods came, the wind blew and beat against the house. Like all these things came to destroy the house. And sometimes life feels that way, doesn't it? It feels like life is coming to beat us down. You feel like you're going to drown. You feel like it's just going to take you out. And that's just life sometimes. Sometimes life just delivers circumstances, situations to us. Sometimes it's because of our choices. We've made choices and now we've got a problem to deal with. Sometimes it's persecution because we follow Jesus and now all hell is breaking loose around us because of the word that's been planted in our heart and the persecution is coming to steal the word from us, right? So life just comes sometimes to destroy us, right? But Jesus is showing us that we don't have to be destroyed by it, right? That's the good news. He said, yet that house did not fall because its foundation were on the rock. So it's withstood all the problems, all the storms because of the foundation being on the rock, right? Then he shows us another situation. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. So the one who's like, great message, pastor. That was powerful. Closes their book, walks out business as usual doesn't do anything with it like that person is like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand the rain came the streams rose floods come the winds blew beat against that house and it fell with a great crash so the same thing happened to both houses same thing came came to destroy it one survived one didn't because of what it was built upon because of the foundation so if we want our lives to withstand the things of life, we've got to build our lives on a firm foundation, the foundation of the Word. If we want our children to be able to withstand all the pressures and all the opportunities and all the things that are going to come and all the influences and all the doubts and all, all those things, we've got to make sure their lives are built upon the firm foundation. So parents, it's up to us to make sure their lives are being built on that foundation of the Word of God. It's the foundation matters. Foundation matters. There's all different places throughout Scripture. We see these things going on, and we're talking about relationships today. So if we're going to build our lives on the Word of God, it starts with building our relationships. It's so important that our relationships are built on the Word of God. Why is it important? Because we have different people in our lives. All you got to do is look around the room, and you'll see we're all different, right? But different is good. Different is good. We're made different. God made us that way. Can I just tell you, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God didn't mess up when he made you. He made you perfectly and wonderfully. He put you right here in Orlando so that we could be in church together. We could be family together. Like God knew what he was doing. He didn't give you a wrong personality. He didn't give you a defective personality. He made you perfectly, right? So we've got to begin to get that picture of who he has for us. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us about how God puts us in the church. He says he, he makes us and he puts us into the body where he wants us. I know that's a revelation because so often we think, I'm going to find a church that's right for me. One that challenges me just enough but doesn't make me uncomfortable, right? Doesn't push me beyond the borders of my faith. Well, you know, one that where I like the music and where, like, listen, God puts us in the body where he wants us. So that's why I say you're in the right place. 
Come on, tell your neighbor, say, you're in the right place today. God puts us in the body where he wants us. And what's interesting is that he usually doesn't put us with people who are just like us. He puts us near people that are different than us because we need each other, y'all. We need each other. We need our differences. We're not meant to be the same. God made us to be different, right? Let me me say it this way. We'll never do anything significant alone. Okay, we'll never accomplish anything significant. We might be doing something by ourselves and and even maybe walking in purpose that God has for us. But if we want to do something significant, we want to do something great, it's going to take more than just me, myself, and I. right. Right? It takes a team. We need each other. Let me show you in Scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. It says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So here's this guy all by himself, but he's got everything. He's got wealth. He's got everything the world strives for, the house. You know, I just imagine, you know, if you've got money, you can buy whatever you want. He's got the cars. He's got the boats, the jet skis, the house on the beach. He's got it all. But yet he's not content. He's all alone, right? He, he needed someone. He needed a team. And he says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Y'all, we were created to be together. We were created to be in a team, working together, not working on our own. We're not called to be a lone ranger, a lone wolf, just doing our own thing. No, we're called to be the body of Christ, needing each other. The hand can't say to the face and the nose, I don't need you because then where would the smelling and the seeing be? If everybody was a hand, it wouldn't be any good. Right? And if you didn't have a leg, you'd have a hard time walking around. We need, we need each other. We need our differences, right? That's the way God designed us. I love it that way. But as good as we are together, how many of you know the worst kind of problems are people problems? Right? It's just true, right? Because when you have people problems, when stuff is going down, right, there's just the peace is gone. It's just the worst. You just churning inside, turmoils there, right? And some of us experienced that maybe this week or recently. And if that's you, just keep your eyes right here, baby. Don't be like, uh-huh. Pastor, talking about you, boy, you better be listening. No, just, just keep it right here. I'll work for you. Just keep it right here with me. <laughs> People problems are the worst kind of problems. Maybe, you know, there was a conversation that happened and just created conflict. Or maybe a conversation you hoped would happen and didn't. Maybe somebody got an attitude. Somebody tripping in your house and you're like, what's wrong with you? Like, it's just people problems are the worst because it just creates so much as, as great as it is to be together, right? Because when you find that right person and you begin to work together, there's just a completeness. There's harmony. Man, there, there, man one can put 1,000 to fly. Two can put 10,000 to fly. Man, there's exponential power that begins to happen when we begin to unite. But the same thing happens when problems enter into the equation. It brings so much chaos, so much turmoil. And if we're not careful, we get our eyes on that and off of what we're supposed to be doing. And we get so focused on on these little differences, these little things that try to come in and steal from us. That's why scripture says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And so we spend so much time arguing and fighting and being so upset. If they would just change and instead of just realizing like, hey, let's work together on this. Let's Let's build our relationships on the word of God instead of how we feel, instead of everything that comes our way, instead of how the world tells us how to act. We're going to build our relationships on the word of God. We're just different, right? I know when Heather and I, my wife, she's uh, serving in kids this morning. But when we first got married, uh, we're, we're so in love. 
you know, they don't call it newlyweds for no reason. You know, we're just in love. You know, all the, the, the eyes, the googly eyes, the holding hands everywhere we go. You're in the freezer section. I know we're in love. <laughs> you know, like it didn't matter. Just we're in love. But y'all, we were different. Yeah. We're just different. And, um, you know, <laughs> whenever there's conflict and there's people problems and people are like having a problem with how I'm different, I'm like, I'm not the one who's wrong. I'm right. What's wrong with you? Right? And that, uh, <laughs> it's just true. Some of you don't agree with me. It's because you think you're right right now. And it's a problem. <laughs> we think we're right all the time, but we're just different. We're different. And I, I just remember like Heather, she loves it to be cold when we're sleeping. She likes to turn the AC all the way down. And she's like, get the covers off the bed. I, I'm just cold. I just get cold. I'm like, I'm going to freeze to death. And I need the covers. Please turn the AC off. And even with that, like, I've got the covers up to here. You know, all that's sticking out of me is this, you know, because we're just different. She's like, Heather always wanted to go out. Let's go out. Let's go shopping. And let's just, let's just be out. And I'm like, what are we shopping for? I don't know, but we'll find something. Let's just go shopping. Look, when I go shopping, I, wanna, I know what I want to go before I go to the store. I know the aisle it's on. I walk up. I got it. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go check out. She's like, let's walk. We've, been here, we've been here three hours. We got two things in the basket. What's happening? <laughs> I want to be at home eating chips, watching TV. We're just different. We're just different. It's fun to sometimes laugh at our differences, isn't it? If we spend more time laughing at our differences, I think we'd spend a whole lot less time bickering and everything else. When I was thinking about all the different types of people we have in our lives this week, I was making a list. Because, you know, we have so many different personalities and people in our our uh, lives every week, right? Various personalities. And um, there's not a right or wrong personality, okay? There's not a good or a bad one. They're just different. And I was just thinking about all the different personalities we have in our lives and how we're supposed to relate to them because um, we're called to relate to different people, right? We're called to be all things to all people, right? That doesn't mean we participate in everything. That just means I can relate to different people, right? So how do we relate then to different people? So I started writing down a list of the different people that we have in our lives. And I love Marvel, the superhero movies, and some of the new DC movies. They're just fun to watch. And so I, I love those. And so as I was making my list, I just started laughing because I began to relate them to Marvel characters, superhero characters. So I want to share my list with you guys this morning. Because we all have different people in our lives, different relationships, right? Of people that we experience. The first one that most of us have in our lives is Batman. We all have a Batman. He's always got, you know, wearing his mask. I'm Batman. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm Batman. Can, can, can you talk in a normal voice so I can understand you? I'm Batman. All right, we, we all have this Batman in our life, and there's a, he's always wearing a mask, right? And nobody knows who they really are. And it's easy to feel close to them because no one knows them, and no, right? And, but behind the mask, they're falling apart. They don't know how to deal with things. Their world is crumbling. But they want everyone to think they're perfect. Right? I got it going on, right? Because I'm Batman, right? <laughs> not, I'm not going to let you see what's really, right? and, and they're falling apart. We've all got a, a Batman. Then, of course, there's Iron Man, right? Iron Man is that guy. He's like, whenever it's something needs to be serious, it can't be serious because he's always telling a joke. He's always, he's always got the pun. He's always making fun of somebody. He's all, you know, he's life of the party. Always doing those kinds of things. And there's just like, hey, we, we need to focus in on this. And he's making a joke. Would be like, he can't be serious, right? There's Iron Man. Then, of course, we have Wolverine. Wolverine is that guy is unpredictable, 
You never know who's going to show up. It's like, is there two of you? It's like, because one moment he's all calm and he's got this weird hair thing and beard. And the second he's like, right? And he's got these things that shoot out of his arms. Like, whoa, what's happening? Like, you never know what's going to happen with this guy, Wolverine. He's like, you know, and then, of course, we have Elsa. I know Elsa's not Marvel, and I know she's not DC, but we got, this is her home of Disneyland in Orlando, Disney World. So I just had to throw it out there for all my Disney peeps. And if you are not a Disney person, it's okay. Just let it go. (laughs) Pastor jokes don't get better as the message goes on. But there's always an Elsa, right? She's cold and awkward. She's always got those cutting remarks, you know, like, why'd you have to say that? Just those cutting remarks, right? And just just pushing everybody out. She, you can't say anything to them. They're not teachable. You can't say anything. They've got an attitude. The cold never bothered me anyway, you know. You can't. Always got their defenses up, right? There's Elsa. What about Wonder Woman? We've all got Wonder Woman, right? She does everything, right? Before the sun came up, I made soap. And I just, I just finished running a marathon, pushing a double stroller while I was finishing my PhD in nuclear science. Like, she does everything. I'm like, you better back up. I just woke up. I didn't even fix my hair. Making soap. What are you talking about? And then, of course, Captain America, right? He's perfect. He's got it happening. He's so good. They make jokes about how good he is because, oh, he doesn't even, he doesn't even cuss. So, like, we make even a joke about that. He's so good. He's the one-upper, right? He never gets it wrong. He's always, always better than where we are, right? And you, sometimes you'd be like, you'd be around that person and be like, I had such a great day. Yeah, I had a better one. <laughs> like, all right, Captain America. Then, of course, we all have the Hulk in our lives, right? You won't like him when he's angry, right? Because you just, the outbursts, just uncontrolled anger. You never know. Hey, can you help me? You want me to what? You know, it's just, you never know when the Hulk is going to come out. We all have those people in our lives. The trick for us is how do we deal with that? How do we build our relationships on the word of God and, and relate to these people? Because if we just push everybody out, if we're just rude to somebody we don't understand or don't want to deal with and... Like, y'all, we're, we are God's ambassadors. Scripture says that he's making his appeal through us. So we have to realize there's something more going on than just the natural things we're experiencing. I would say that it's way more spiritual than we realize. That our relationships and the way we interact with people is way more spiritual than we realize or even want to admit sometimes. But Ephesians chapter 6 teaches us about this. It says our battle is not against the flesh and blood. It's not against things we see with this, with our eyes. So it's not against people's behaviors. Our battle is against spiritual powers and principalities and rulers of the air. It's, it's a spiritual battle that we're facing. So as people who follow Jesus, we're growing deeper in our understanding of where he wants to take us, right? We're getting past surface level stuff. Jesus wants our roots to grow deep. So we're in a spiritual battle. We've got to realize and peel back the layers that it's not just a natural thing. I've got to deal with somebody. There's something spiritual going on there. And we've got to then respond spiritually spiritually and not just fleshly, right? We've spent too much time responding fleshly and we've seen how that worked out. So now it's time for us to respond spiritually based on God's word rather than just everything else because it's a spiritual battle we're facing, right? When we're dealing with somebody who's having outbursts of anger, it's not just because it's an an outward thing. It's a spiritual battle we're facing. We've got to attack it that way first if we want to win in the natural. If you want to win a battle, you need to win it in the spiritual realm before you can win it in the natural realm. 
We've got to begin to attack things that way. So how are we going to base our relationships on God's word? What are some essentials for us to have relationships based on God's word? I want to give us a few things today. If you're taking notes, write some of these things down. The first one is this so important. One of the most important aspects of relationships is choose right relationships. You've got to choose right relationships, right? Because the rest of that phrase is because there's wrong ones. Some of us have those kind of relationships right now. And by wrong relationships, we're talking about relationships that aren't leading us closer to God. They're not leading us closer to the purpose that he has for us. They're influences that are pulling us further away from the truth of God's word. Right? That's what we're talking about, basing our relationships on God's words. So we've got to choose the right relationships and not the wrong ones. That means that some will be yes, some will be no. We can't be in relationship. And I'm talking about those in our inner circle. So we love everybody. We love everybody. God loves us, and we show his love to everybody. There's no favoritism. There's none of that. We love every person. But I just can't let every person in my inner circle. If I'm going to do what God has called me to do, I can't let every single person that comes by be in my inner circle, have access to me, speak into my life, and vice versa, have access to life. There's those close circle of friends that we have that have access to us in our lives. That's what we're talking about. We've got to be careful about who is influencing our lives the most. That's why it's so important. We get together. We know God. We worship him on Sundays. We find freedom. We do those things. But that's why it's so important that the church doesn't just happen here and then leave, that we're together. Right? The church is stronger together. That's how it works. That's the beauty of the church is that when we meet together, we worship the Lord. And then we meet from house to house, encouraging each other, strengthening each other, building each other up. That's why I will never stop talking about you need to be in a group. If that bothers you, then this isn't the church for you. You need to be in a group. You need to be in a group of believers who are strengthening you, who are praying for you when you're down, who know your problems, who know when you fall, who know when you, you know, need some help so that you can help other people who've got your back, who are speaking life into you, who are texting you. You need it. We need each other. We need to have the right relationships. That's why I love the phrase, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You want to know what your future is going to be like? Look at those who you're surrounded by. Because we're going to become like those who we're with. So if you want to be around, if you want to be where God has called you to be, then you need to get around some godly people. Just saying, let me show you in Scripture so you don't have to just take my word for it. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Strong. That's strong. If that's not strong, try this one. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. And don't associate with one easily hangered, the Hulk, right? Or else you might learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. You might end up in a trap. So whatever, wherever you want to be, get around those people. You want to be successful in business? Get around some successful business people. You want to be close to the heart of God? Get around some people who are close to the heart of God and seeking him day in and day out. I'm just telling it's, it's a decision. We can go where we want. We can be around who we want. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, where we'll end up. So if you want your kids, right, show me your kids' friends, I'll show you what they'll become. So parents, you need some courage to say no to some people. Everyone that comes doesn't get to come into the world. And they, your kids don't need to go into every world, right? You are building a foundation in them, and we're going to filter the friends that come in. And some are going to be no. It's not going to make you popular in your house. It's okay. It's okay. That's what, that's what parents, that's what teachers and coaches do. That's what we're doing. 
All right, it got quiet in the house. <laughs> Same thing, all my young people, like, we're not going to be missionary dating. Right. <laughs> Don't work, right? Missionary dating is my, I know they're not serving the Lord, but if I date them, they might come to church and they might find Jesus because we're dating. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because they're going to say whatever and do whatever they have to do to get you to that place where then they have you. And then you're, you're stuck, right? Yeah. We're not going to do that. We're going to choose right relationships. 2 Corinthians 6 says, what, what association does light have with darkness? None. What association does righteousness have with wickedness? It doesn't have anything to do with each other. They can't coexist. It was one or the other. Here's the second one. We've got to stop requiring our preferences. That's a hard one. A preference. That's the way I like it. Preference. The way we like it, right? The flip side of that would be principle. So we have to choose principle over preference. Principle is what really matters. What really matters? What, what really needs to happen? Principle over preference. So if you're married, principle would be you need to go on a date. You need to be on, going on date nights. Preference would be if he doesn't choose a restaurant I like, I'm not even going to have a good time and I'm going to let him know. I ain't eating that outback. He's supposed to be taking me to Ruth's Chris. <laughs> Preference. Principle is you're strengthening your marriage. You're going on a date. Principle over preference, right? We need to just begin to choose principle over preference. I love uh, the Passion Translation of the Bible. I normally preach from the NIV, but I love the Passion Translation. James chapter 4, verse 1 is so, so clear. It says, what is the cause of the conflicts and quarrels with each other? That's a great question. Let's find out the answer. Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? Whoo! That's strong right there. It's just truth for us, right? It's like we get into fights. We get into sticky situations and problems in relationships because we want our way. <laughs> we want our own way. But what if we begin to live instead of choosing our own preference of principle, right? We begin to choose the principle of a matter and stop choosing our own preference. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 puts it this way. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Another translation says, give preference to one another in honor. So we just need to prefer each other above ourselves. Isn't that the love that Christ showed us? That he preferred us instead of the comfort of heaven? And, and it, like we need to just begin to prefer each other, give preference to each other. And man, we'll begin to see a lot of things stop in our home, a lot of things, a lot of fighting and stop. Here's the next one. We just need to stop arguing. We need to stop arguing. And it's difficult, right? Because that's not what we see happening in the world. That's not the agenda the world pushes on us, right? The world shows us that if you have an opinion, you have the right to be hurt. And if your opinion isn't accepted as right, everybody doesn't agree with you, you need to let them know that they're wrong. I'm right, right? And, and I need to tell you about it. And if we don't agree, it's, it's, it's gone so far that now if we don't even agree, now we hate each other because we don't agree on something that's just somebody's opinion. And it's just, it's time for it to stop. There's no middle ground there. We can't become so divided in our world. We can't let the world cause us to be so divided as a church that we can't love each other, that we just argue about everything. No, it's time for it to stop. Second Timothy Chapter 2, verse 23 says this, do, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they only produce quarrels. So I should only be part of a discussion and an argument when I know I'm right. It's not what it says. Have nothing to do with it. Nothing. Zero. Walk away. 
Leave it alone. Why? Because the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. They must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. So we're dealing with people. We're not rude to people. We're not mean. Like We love people. We show the love of God because of Christ. Love has been shed abroad in our hearts. It's become made real inside of us. So that should be what comes out of us. So we love people, right? But that doesn't mean I have to argue with everybody about everything. I don't have to get up in somebody's face. They didn't, they didn't listen to me. You must not have heard what I said. Like, I don't have to get in their face. I don't have to respond with yelling and shouting. I don't have to bring my three biggest friends with me and full of muscles to get my back. Like, if you don't listen to me, I got some backup. That ain't the way. Right? Why? Why do we do that? Sometimes it's, just, it's because we want to push our own agenda. We want to be the one that we come out on top, that we're right. See, I was right. But see, Scripture shows us a different way that our motivation needs to change. He goes on because he knew that we would have all these people to deal with. So he says, opponents must be gently instructed. Everybody say gently. Gently. A little more gentle. Gently. Gently. Everybody, uh, opponents must be gently instructed. Why? In the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. See, my motivation has to change. When I'm dealing with somebody, it's not that I come out on top. It's that it would create an opportunity for them to experience God. And when I have that motivation, I can deal with things in a different way because it just relieves the pressure off of me because I don't have to change them. I can't change anybody. Y'all, y'all realize that, right? We don't have the ability to change people. So when people are like, I can change him. If I'm just with him long enough, you cannot change him. We cannot change people. Only the power of God can change a heart. So it's just pressure relieving for us to know like God is working through us and God will do the work in the person's heart. So I don't have to combat. I don't have to be the one to change them. That's good. That's the good news right there. Here's another essential. Got to be careful with what we say. Be careful with what we say. We all, we all really do have to be careful what we say, but us men, dads especially, we have to be careful what we say because right when words come out, can never get them back, right? They can never come back. I'm going to ask my nephew Joshua to come up here for a moment. Can you all give a big hand for my nephew Joshua? He didn't know I was going to call him up. That's okay. Can you just hold that? I've got a tube of toothpaste right here. Can you just take that, open it up, and just start squeezing it onto the plate? Yeah, just just squeeze a little bit on there. See, what happens is our words are like toothpaste, right? We, we can say anything we want. It can come out can come out a little bit. can come out a lot. Sometimes it looks really cool. It's all swirled together, right? But go ahead and squeeze. Now squeeze it all out of there. Our words come out. The problem is, is that once they're out there, they're out there. We can never get them back. Just go ahead and stop and just put the rest of that toothpaste back in the tube. I need it at home later. <laughs> just put it back in the tube. It'll be okay. You, you can do it. Do you guys think he can do that? Come. Just go ahead and try. Just try a little bit to put it back in there. See, we got to be careful with our words because once we we can never get them back. So we have to make sure our words are being careful. You are making a mess. What are you doing? We will never get all that toothpaste back in the tube. We just have to realize with our words, we're never going to get them back. So we have to be careful. So we say, give a big hand for my nephew, Joshua. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 29 says it this way. Don't let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful. Everybody say helpful. No unwholesome talk coming out of my mouth. Only what is helpful. For the building up 
of others according to their needs. So not my needs, not my needs to get something off my chest, not my need to be right, not my need to say something according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. We've got we've to be careful with the things we say. I'm just trying to give us some, some essentials for relationships today and relating to people. Right, here's the next one. We need grace. We need grace in relationships. Because too often we don't show grace to people. We get frustrated. We get short with people. And then, man, that's when the Hulk comes or worse or other things, right? We, we need grace. See, there's not a relationship in this life that we'll have that won't need grace. What's great about grace is that it's amazing. Amazing grace. Why is it amazing? Because we don't deserve it. But God showed us grace when we are far from him. When we are lost in sin, he showed us grace. Jesus came, right? He showed us his mercy so that we could come. I'm so thankful for grace. And I'm just, I just have to be a person in my life that is quick to give grace. Right? We need to be people who give grace. And I know just for me, I, I have to show grace because I just need it so much. I just I need grace because I'm not perfect. I know this week, you know, here we are in the middle of fasting and prayer and I'm trying to seek the Lord and having great moments with him. But I just had this moment this week where I was the problem in my house. Just made a mistake. Lost it. Everybody else paid the price. Just being real. Is that okay? And, um, you know, it was my fault. Nobody's fault but my own. And I'm so thankful for grace because I need it so bad. I'm so thankful for my wife and my family extending grace to me when I didn't deserve it. I didn't, but I, I went to them. You know, I was like, that was the thing. I had to go to them. I'm so sorry for what I did to each one of them. And we just, we need grace for each other. They didn't have to extend it. That's what, that's what grace does. It gives us something we don't deserve. That's what grace is, right? Mercy is saying you're not going to get the punishment you deserve. You're not going to get what you deserve. I'm going to extend mercy for you. Grace says I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. All right, that's grace. Grace gives us, like, forgiveness when we need it it's grace we need grace for each other we need grace in our relationships right because it's gonna just happen there's gonna be things um i had a a pastor send me a letter this week um from a son to a father says dear dad it's with great regret and sorrow i'm writing you i had to elope with my new girlfriend because i wanted to avoid a scene with my mom and with you Uh, i've been finding real passion with stacy and she's so nice However, I knew you would not approve of her because of her piercings and tattoos and tight clothes and because she's so much older than me. But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's pregnant. Stacy said that we'll be very happy, and she owns her own trailer in the woods and has stacks of firewood for the winter, and she said we're going to share a dream of having more children and being happy together. And she's opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. We'll be growing it ourselves and trading it with other people here in our community for all the cocaine and ecstasy we need. In the meantime, we're praying that science will find a cure for AIDS so Stacy can get better because she deserves it. Don't worry, Dad. I just turned 15, and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back to visit so you can get to know your many grandchildren. Love, Jeremy. P.S., Dad. None of the above is true. I'm over at Jason's house. I just wanted to remind you there are worse things in life than the grades on the counter. Everybody say grace. We all need some grace. Some of you right now are just thanking God for your kids. My kids are so good. Thank you, Jesus. 
I had you for a little while, though. We just need grace for each other sometimes. And listen, I'm not talking about if you're in a place where you're being abused or your kids are in a dangerous place. Listen, we're going to get to a place where we're safe. We should not stay in a place where we're being abused or or, or in danger. We need to be in a a safe place. But when we get to that safe place, we're going to build our our relationships, our lives, our responses on God's word. So we're going to extend grace even to people who have been abusive to us. I'm away from them. I'm safe. But I'm still going to extend grace. And I'm going to extend this next one. That's forgiveness. Such a big one. Such a big one. Forgiveness. We have to choose forgiveness. Because it doesn't just happen by default. Forgiveness doesn't just happen. What happens by default is we just hold on to everything. We want to keep it all in because they hurt me and they don't deserve forgiveness. They des- I'm going to lash back out at them. Whatever it takes, I'm going to let them know. I'm going to give them the cold shoulder, right? Because that's what they deserve. They hurt me. And what happens is that other person has moved on. They don't even realize. And we're just holding on to it, just letting that person affect us. So how long are we going to let somebody who hurt us affect our future? How long are we going to hold on to it? Because the longer we hold on to it, it never just stays this unforgiveness. It always grows. It gets stronger. It grows in us. It hardens our heart. It cuts off our access to what God wants to do in our lives. Because Jesus said, if you can't forgive, then my, he- my Father in heaven can't forgive you. It's just a choice to forgive. Not because someone else deserved it, because they did something, uh, just because they, they may not ever apologize or repent to you. That doesn't matter. Forgiveness isn't based on what somebody else did. It's based on the condition of my heart, how I postured my life. What have I based my life on? Have I based my life on my ability to be right and carry my own opinions? Or have I based my life on God's word? It says, bless those who hurt you and despitefully use you. So when someone's talking nasty about you at work, do you talk nasty about them or do we extend grace and forgiveness to them? Right? It's good. It's good. We just, Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ forgave us. Like we'll never have to forgive somebody more than what Jesus forgave us. And I'm so thankful that he did because he certainly didn't have to, but he did. He forgave each and every one of us and we'll never have to forgive someone more than he forgave us. And I know it's hard. Pastor, you don't know what they did. I just can't take it anymore. Some of us are just in that place today. Maybe you're in that place and you're just ready to give up on a relationship. You're ready to abandon something. Maybe in a relationship with your kids, you're ready to just, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of the way they treat me. I'm tired of this. I can't take it anymore. And I would just tell you, like, it's time to forgive because there's healing and forgiveness. We have those wounds that happen when things happen. And sometimes it's deep. It, it hurts. It's deep. It affects us. But our God is a healer. Our God is a healer. So if we believe that he's a healer, then we're going to lean into him. And when we lean into him, he, he tells us, hey, it's time to choose to forgive. It's time to finally lay that thing down and let it go. Because when we keep unforgiveness in our hearts, it's like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person gets burned. It don't work out. It only hurts us. Science has actually proven the fact the longer we hold on to unforgiveness, the longer we hold on to bitterness, it actually begins to affect us in our physical bodies. It begins to change the chemical balance in our brains that we begin to be open to depression and fear to come in. It begins to open our bodies up to be more susceptible to chronic illness. So no wonder we see it rampant in our culture today and rampant hatred and rampant unforgiveness in our world today. 
And God knew when he created us that we would need forgiveness so badly that when Jesus came, he taught it to us so that we could be whole in our bodies. Think about that for a minute. Jesus bore the stripes. He was beaten for us, right? He, in that, he's, the very act of him forgiving us, he's showing us that there's forgiveness. There's healing in the act of forgiveness. Think about that for a minute. Kind of percolate through that thought that as Jesus was being beaten, he didn't deserve it. He's taking the punishment that was meant for us. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let's just, let's just take a moment all across this room with heads bowed and eyes closed. And just begin to talk to the Lord. Some of us, he's, he's been talking to us this whole time. And there's a name that's come into your spirit. Somebody that you need to let go. There needs to be some forgiveness happen. Some of us need to go to somebody and say, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Because it was us that caused the pain. And we need to open the lines of forgiveness. Some of us have been carrying something so long. Yeah, somebody has been carrying something so long and it's literally felt like a weight on your back. It's like you've taken a bag and slung it over your back and it's weighing you down so much. You feel like you're bent over walking around carrying this load. Today is the day to put that down. Today is the day, and it just begins with a choice. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. Sometimes we just have to tell ourselves. I remember my own life having to tell myself in certain situations, people that hurt me so badly, I just had to get alone with myself and just say it out loud a thousand times. Because the first ten times, I didn't believe it, and I didn't feel it. And the more I said it, the more I began, I, I choose to forgive. And I said their name. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive this person. I choose to forgive. It's a choice. It begins in that place. And what happens is that healing begins to usher in. It opens our heart to allow the Spirit of God to come in because we're laying some things down. And today's the day to put those things down. And I don't know where you're at with that. I don't know who you need to forgive, but I'm just telling you it's time to put it down. It's time to forgive. It's time to begin to let grace flow from us and stop being argumentative. It's time to begin to bring peace into our homes. Some of us have wondered why there's no harmony, why there's no unity in our marriages. It's because we've always had to be right. And today's the day to say, I don't have to choose my preference anymore. There's restoration and healing for our marriages. There's unity for our marriages. We're meant to walk step in step, not feeling out of step all the time. But we've let things creep in and take hold. And today's the day to begin to push those things aside. To prefer each other in humility above our own, our own needs. Lord, I thank you for freedom in this place. Freedom in this place. Some of us are just far from God. Maybe we've known him in the past and we've just, life has just pulled us away and drifted away. And we just feel so far from him. We feel like he's a million miles away. God would never want me. Maybe you've believed that lie that God wouldn't want you. I'm just telling you, you are worth the blood of Jesus. You're worth it. You're worth it. Because he loves you so much. Maybe you've never known him in that way. You've always seen him as just this guy up in the sky, like the Wizard of Oz, just barking out orders. And that's not who he is. He just loves you so much. And that's why Jesus came. So I don't know where you are in any of those. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me? 
And I just send some of us in this place. You can lift your hands all across this room if you're saying, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me? I'm far from God. Maybe you have some forgiveness you need to lay down this morning. Would you say, that's me? Just lift your hands all across this room. And some of us just need to even come down to the front. I felt the Lord spoke that to me a minute ago. He said, some of us need to come down to the altar this morning and lay that thing down because we've been carrying it so long. We just need to lay it down. So I'm just going to open up the front right now. You're saying, I need to lay something down this morning. I want to come down. You Come down over here and we'll pray for you this morning. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in this place. That even courage is rising up on the inside of somebody that has been hurt by somebody. You have a deep wound in your past and you've been crying out, God, when are you going to take this thing? When are you going to heal? And God is saying, it's your time, but it's time to lay some things down and open up and say, I choose to forgive. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in this place. Lord God, I thank you for giving somebody boldness and courage to go to a person and saying, I'm sorry. 